is an Odyssey original. This is KNX In-Depth. I'm Rob Arch. I'm Charles Feldman. Wall Street getting nervous about the banks. We'll go in-depth into what this means. The wait is finally over for former L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti. He is headed to India. We'll hear from him coming up. Actor Danny Trejo is also going to be here, and he might be bringing some goodies. He better be. Mm. <laughs> so we start, we'll explain later. We start, though, with Wall Street and the banks. David Akamatsu teaches finance at Pepperdine University and is an experienced Wall Street trader as well. David, thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. So uh, I get why the banks were nervous on Friday, and I guess I guess why, you know, why they were nervous on Monday. Why are they still nervous? Well, unfortunately, today we had some additional news out of Europe. Uh, we had some problems with uh, Credit Suisse, problems that are actually completely unrelated to what is happening here. But the fact of the matter is, because memory is long in Wall Street, and we still remember what happened in 2008, and we fear that anytime there is a problem with a bank, that might turn out to be a systemic issue. Of course, uh, uh, nerves are, are not calm right now, and this was uh, the, the answer uh, to, to some of this uh, sort of uh, um, little unsettling news out of, out of Switzerland. Uh, but I have to say that actually, if you look at the specificity of what has happened here with uh, with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, and even the situation with Credit Suisse, uh, this is by far not a systemic issue. So this is uh, turmoil in the banking in the banking side. Uh, perhaps uh, as investment managers, we should probably view uh, a, a, a perhaps think about a, a repricing of the sector to some extent, which is what is happening in the markets. But in terms of uh, the, the view of this from the depositors' uh, uh, point of view, from uh, sort of the, uh, the layman uh, uh, sort of point of view, I, I think that we should not be worried about a systemic issue. So if it's not a systemic issue, how long will it take Wall Street to calm down? Well, <laughs> that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, it will take a while, and I think it will depend also in terms of what the institutions are going to do, what the Federal Reserve is going to do. So far, the response of the institution, I think, has been spot on. Uh, the Federal Reserve and the Treasuries uh, over last weekend, they, they certainly took the right steps. Uh, we'll see what the Federal Reserve will, will do in terms of uh, raising or not rates at the next meeting. Uh, the tables have turned up to a week ago. We were thinking that, uh, that there was some more uh, uh, to go in terms of hiking rates. Uh, now the perception is certainly for Wall Street is that the, the, the Fed is probably done. Um, they're going to do a little bit of a trade-off between the financial stability and accepting that, that uh, um, inflation will come down at a lower pace than they will like to. Uh, but that is part of their mandate. At the end of the day, the Federal Reserve needs to uh, certainly take care of price stability, but at the same time, financial stability um, and stability of output in terms of economic output is, is just as important. So we'll see what they do. Uh, and I believe that if they don't raise rates, uh, probably uh, that will you know, help sort of uh, make everybody feel a, a little bit better. Um, but I, I think that so far, again, the, the, the steps that have been taken have been positive. OK, uh, a, a quick yes or no to the following three questions for our listeners who might be nervous. If they have their money in a major bank, say Chase or Wells Fargo, should they be concerned? Yes or no? No. If they have their money in a regional, smaller regional bank, should they be concerned? Yes or no? 
Well, I can't answer yes or no. I, I would say up to $250,000, definitely uh, uh, no. About that, I will take some steps. Okay. If they have their money in a credit union, yes or no? Uh, same as before. So a major bank, they're okay. A regional bank or a credit union, if they have especially more than, if they're fortunate enough to have more than $250,000 saved, they got to be a little concerned? Um, I would say concern, but I would take perhaps steps. I will make sure that my savings are spread out over different accounts, uh, maybe buy some uh, some treasuries with the exact savings above the, the insured threshold, uh, maybe do some digging about how strong the balance sheet of my bank is. But again, overall, this is not a systemic issue, but some of the regional banks uh, uh, may be under some pressure for a bit. Okay, but to your point now, if people who do have that kind of money in a regional bank or a credit union, if they now have to even start thinking about, gee, I should maybe think about spreading this out and maybe I should, you know, change banks or, or diversify into different banks, doesn't that in and of itself prolong this banking crisis? Absolutely. Even though I would have to say that in terms of the steps that I said that were positive, that were taken over the weekend by the Fed and the Treasury, one of the steps that was taken was to essentially guarantee the deposits uh, in, in their entirety at the Silicon Valley Bank. So way above the uh, the, the $250,000 FDIC limit. Uh, now, that was specifically for uh, Silicon Valley Bank. But because of the nature of the depositors at Silicon Valley Bank, where the average account was above, I believe, $4 million, and these were all corporate accounts, I think that politically and socially it would be difficult to make the case that you would guarantee those, uh, those uh, uh, deposits, but you will not guarantee the deposits of uh, uh, you know, less fortunate people with, uh, say, a lot less money at risk um in, in in another bank so i think that that there is an implicit guarantee of deposits based on what uh, for everyone at the moment right. in order to calm the markets uh, in terms of what the, the fed and the treasury did over over the last weekend all right thanks so much david akamatsu uh teaches finance at pepperdine university danny trejo will be here he's selling a Delicious something, and it's for a good reason. And also who will be with us mm -hmm. is the new ambassador to India, this guy named Eric Garcetti. Didn't he used to do something else before that? He did. He did something at City Hall. I can't recall exactly right. what it was, but gonna, it was something. Yeah, we're going to dig into that with him. Yeah. Uh, right now, though, a federal judge in Texas hearing arguments today about an abortion medication. Now, the judge could make a ruling that would be the first ever to overturn an FDA approval of a drug that might open the floodgates to a lot of other lawsuits. Harry Nelson's a healthcare attorney here in LA and author of From Obamacare to Trump Care, Why You Should Care. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. So when we say this could open up the floodgates, what kind of floodgates are we talking about here if a judge overturns the FDA? Well, the uh um you know the vast majority of abortions performed across the United States these days are performed with a medication um, that, you know, dispensed to a woman who takes it in privacy called mifepristone. And if this decision passes, if this decision is a direction to the FDA to uh, to, to limit or revoke uh, or change how it's distributed, um, that whole system is going to be uh, uh, shaken up. And so everybody, patients, doctors, uh, pharmacies, drug distributors, Everyone in the chain of, uh, of of making it possible for women to 
terminate pregnancies with this medication are going to potentially lose access to it. So it's really a critical, critical decision. And it it would likely, am I right, be sort of in limbo, I would imagine, for quite some time, because the the government, the federal government will, if the decision is, as is most people expect, uh, against the drug, the federal government's going to come in and, and seek an injunction, right, an appeal. And by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, what, months, maybe a year or so goes by? Well, right. So so this is a preliminary injunction, which is kind of like an emergency step. Right. So the government is going to the Department of Justice is going to appeal immediately to the Fifth Circuit, U.S. Court of Appeals. And if they don't issue a stay, meaning to hold off this judgment while this case proceeds, then it will go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will be asked to decide whether or not to stay this case. So within the next couple of days, we're, we're, if there is a decision by Judge Kaczmarek to restrict um, uh, to order the FDA to stop uh, uh, or change the approval status of this drug, we are going to see a cascade to the Federal Court of Appeals and then the Supreme Court. And of course, it's also going to force the states to decide to tell doctors and pharmacies what to do with the with the drug that they already have, right? We've never been in this situation before where a status of a drug changed. And the question is, can doctors uh, and pharmacies continue to use the supply that they have? So lots of big questions. So if the judge overturns this and he gets upheld and it goes to the Supreme Court, it gets upheld there. Uh, would that enable someone to sue over, say, emergency vaccines and say these weren't tested enough either? Let's overturn those. It's a great uh, it's a great question. And I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is that this opens up a whole door to this whole new way of challenging the FDA, which we have no history of, of people questioning the process. Um, and and I think it's absolutely applicable to vaccines. I should say one of the ironies of this case is that there are 12 or 13 states that now have a case in Seattle where they're on the opposite side telling the FDA to take this particular drug and treat it more like like other drugs because, ironically, the, the it, it's a, there's a very good case to be made that the FDA has been extremely restrictive in terms of requiring notices and agreements with patients uh, related to mifepristone. So I, I, this is going to open up a big can of worms that goes far beyond uh, beyond this drug into potentially vaccines. And also, it's going to throw open a lot of questions for the drug companies about how much they want to invest in research uh, around drugs that, that may be controversial. And it would then, in effect, take the approval process for, for drugs, or at least some drugs, away from uh, science and move it almost squarely into the political camp, would it not? Yeah, absolutely. This is, unfortunately, this is a major step in politicizing the drug approval process and uh, and taking it away from clinical research and uh, and, and science. And so, um, you know, that's the, that's the world we live in. The, the irony of this, by the way, to me, is that the whole decision by the Supreme Court to reverse Roe v. Wade was to throw it back to the states um, and let, on a state-by-state basis, let each state make its own decision. The people of that state decide what to do. But sure enough, what's happening now is that the you know we're, the ball is being kicked back to the federal level to take another federal restriction um, rather than to leave this issue in the states. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Harry Nelson, healthcare attorney here in L.A. When we come back, we will be joined by former L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, who is now ambassador to India. It took a while, 
almost actually two years. But former L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti will be off to India. The Senate uh, confirming his nomination as U.S. ambassador to that country. Eric Garcetti, Ambassador Garcetti, is with us now. Well, uh, Mr. Ambassador, congratulations. You got a job. Thank you. Can we celebrate with some donuts? <laughs> <laughs> and so, Danny's tacos are the best, too. Let me just they they are. They are very good. So, so it, it was a long haul for you. Where are you now? You're in Washington? I'm in Washington in the Senate office building right now. Okay. Senate office building. Yeah. So uh, it took a long time, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, just your, your initial thoughts and your feelings, having gone from mayor of the city of Los Angeles now to uh, the U.S. ambassador to India. Well, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to serve this country in this new role. Um, I'm glad that I stuck with it and answered the president and the country's call to do this. And it's an incredible relationship with an amazing country um, that has the potential, I think, not only to counterbalance kind of the world order right now, but also promote a lot of prosperity here at home. And L.A. and Southern California's ties with India are so deep. I hope having a kid from L.A. over there in New Delhi and throughout India We'll do a lot to strengthen that friendship directly with our city, our state, um, and with India. You know, this took such a long time. Uh, do you have any concern that uh, if the 2024 election doesn't go your way, that you could be uh, packing right back and, and returning? No, I think that most ambassadorships last about two to three years, and this is right in there, about two years left, left in this um, you know, term. I certainly would hope we'll have a second um, Joe Biden term and we'd be lucky to do so in this country. Um, But right now, the urgency of this moment, um, you think about India became the most populous country in the world this year. It's the biggest democracy and we're the oldest democracy. They're hosting the G20 this year, um, celebrating 75 years of independence. And so to me, I mean, I think we can pack, you know, years of work into the months that we're there and really accelerate um, what has been a long time coming, a stronger and closer relationship between our two countries for a long time. So I'm grateful I got to serve till my last day as mayor, even if it took a little longer for the confirmation, allowed me to be there until December uh, 12th when Karen Bass took over. And now the timing was right. Um, so as my mom said, God wanted you to serve till your last day as mayor. <laughs> now, now I'm ready to go for the next challenge. You know, it, it, uh, it just occurred to me that it, it, you've actually been demoted in a way, and I'll tell you why. When you used to come on with us and ask the mayor, I used to jokingly refer to you as your majesty. Now you're just ambassador. Exactly. I'm working for a guy for the first time in, in a decade, actually two decades. When I was council member, you don't really work for anybody but the people. But what's common with the two is you work for the people of this country. And in our case, it was the city. Uh, I think Americans um, don't realize how important those ties are always with India. But from agriculture to Hollywood and Bollywood, um, the what number of uh, families that are connected directly in our universities, the, the Indian students that have come here, startups and CEOs that have been led by Indian immigrants. We have so much in common with each other. Um, and I really hope that we can see that we don't work not only just for a person, but we work for this country. And in this very delicate moment internationally with war, um, with still poverty, we can do a lot together to address that. And India and the U.S. together would be a pretty unstoppable force. Now, speaking of uh, war and, and, and poverty, uh, there are some tensions in India, uh, tensions in the region with uh, Pakistan. Are, do you expect to spend some of your time uh, addressing issues around that? 
Absolutely. I think everybody wants to see, you know, India is a superpower. Uh, it's an incredible, not only country, but civilization uh, that long predates, you know, um, the United States of America. It is a place which I think the world needs to see strong and secure and a force for good. They're not one that projects their powers outwards. They, I think, want the same thing we do, which is a peaceful and prosperous world. They want to see freedom of the seas, uh, the military cooperation that we have had that's deepened, the weaning them off of, you know, just procuring their weapons from Russia, um, the energy needs that they have as we look at climate change, and they're already the third largest emitter in the world, uh, just behind us, both of us behind China. Um, we have amazing opportunities there. But on the flip side, they also are incredible success story. They're emerging from poverty faster than China did 15 years earlier. They have this incredible middle class that's building up. They have companies that we saw during COVID helping supply medicine and syringes to the world. I think that if we can help them produce more, help them trade more with us, we can see more jobs on both sides of the ocean and a lot of prosperity both directions. Let me ask you, this is a serious question, because I think a lot of people do wonder, what exactly does an ambassador do? In in movies, they're always sitting around sipping iced tea. <laughs> what? Having <laughs> dinner. Yeah. What, what does an ambassador, what do you do? Uh, what will you do once you are ambassador and you are in India? Other than iced tea. Well, it, yeah, in India, I think it's tonic water, which was ah, first, uh, yeah. drunk there for quinine for the days of malaria. But in India um, and in any embassy, you are the president's personal envoy. Uh, besides the president himself, um, you're the person in charge, even if the vice president or a member of cabinet comes. You're the person in charge of all the Americans and the local citizens who work in the mission. So in India, it's traditionally been the largest embassy we have by employees. I think Iraq is a little bigger because of the war, but maybe second biggest, and the, traditionally the biggest of any country to any country in the world. We've got four different consulates who deal with things like visas for Americans and for Indians and consular issues. We've got people from the Defense Department who work on the way that our militaries work together and train together, from our intelligence communities, from our Commerce Department, from our Homeland Security, from USAID helping promote our values and helping deal with poverty, human rights issues. So you really have almost everything in the federal government represented in a mini representation inside the embassy. And you set those policies, negotiate directly with the key you know, heads of state and, and key cabinet members, um, and deal with our allies, too, other ambassadors who are there who have like-minded um, uh, perspectives to work together to accomplish those aims in India together. Um, you know, this was a long time coming. It took two years. Uh, it was held up with, uh, you know, uh, concerns over the scandal at City Hall. Uh, people uh, thought that uh, you had to have known something. You have maintained your denial that, that you knew uh, precisely what was going on. What do you think put you over the top? What do you think assuaged those concerns that uh, some in Congress had, some in the Senate had about this? Or who helped you get over the top? Yeah, I learned two things from my parents, which is always tell the truth and never quit. And I just let those two pillars be my guiding principles. Um, I think we got through because we were able to spend time directly with senators and also present to them individuals who had under oath rebutted the idea that I would ever see something or know something and not do something about it. I mean, it stands against everything that I've ever done and every person that I have and the person that I've ever been. Um, whenever I see, you know, a victim see injustice, I act out against it. And so repeating untruths over and over doesn't make them true. 
And I think once we got before both, by the way, Republicans and Democrats in a very partisan moment, today's vote was very strong um, with Republicans as well as Democrats seeing through uh, those allegations, understanding who I was from a lot of people who put their reputations on the line, who have known me for years and spoke up. Um, and I can't wait to center you know, those issues of speaking up for victims and the weakest among us in part of my um, leadership as ambassador. So let me ask you something. You're, you're a savvy politician, but I'm also a savvy political reporter. What deals were made? <laughs> you're savvier than me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were the deals that were made in back rooms to make sure that you got the vote that the president wanted? There had to have been some kind of a quid pro quo. What was it? You, you cannot do that, and I would not do that. Um, there not you, but the people who support you. interviewed me. No, people who interviewed me, yeah, they were concerned. Some people were very concerned about the influence of China and tested me and wanted to know. I talked about my 12 years as a naval intelligence officer um, and making sure that we can counterbalance the influence of, of China when it's a malicious influence. Other uh, people wanted to talk about the the things that they sell from their state, the rice or the nuts or the, um, you know, grain that sometimes has not found a fair uh, market in India. So it wasn't quid pro quos. It was individual, I think, concerns that people have across this country. Some people are interested in human rights. Some people are interested uh, in promoting more trade. Some people had just come back from India. There was a, a congressional delegation that included um, leader Schumer that recently was there. And people heard just, you know, Every single day, when's an ambassador getting here? And I think that really influenced them to say, let's get this done now. Let's finally get it done and get it done quickly. All right. Very quickly, uh, earlier, Charles uh, mentioned that he used to refer to you as your majesty. What is the honorific for an ambassador? Your excellency, isn't it? I, I will learn that. I did go to ambassador school about a year and a half ago. So you I did? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop. Wait, wait, stop, stop. What, what's ambassador school? you got to tell us. Well, what happens? This is going to be your new idea for a sitcom. I can already tell. Charles, <laughs> but, um, it's an amazing thing where about half of us who either had public service careers outside the State Department yeah. um, uh, or half of them that were actually State Department lifetime people came together and were able to kind of learn all the responsibilities, um, the opportunities, practice things. One of the funniest things was teaching some of the the career State Department folks, how to deal with a tough press conference. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer for that one. <laughs> so there's certain things I was able to share with my colleagues, and then they told me where the bathrooms are at the State Department and how you get health insurance. So wow. it was an amazing group of we, – we are truly, truly lucky, especially for the lifelong uh, State Department, other department folks who serve overseas – to be represented by people who sacrifice everything to live outside the country that they love and represent us all. And I was blown away by how amazing they were. You missed an opportunity to explain that at Ambassador School, there is a class on how to deal with Charles Feldman. <laughs> no, even that, there's not enough time for. <laughs> uh, former L.A. Mayor Eric Gostetti, uh, thank you for taking uh, yes, thank uh, you. time to talk with us today. And good luck uh, on your way to thank India you. to serve as our ambassador bring, there. Bring us back food. Yes. I will. Thank you both. And say hi to Danny Trejo for me. We right. will. Guys. You're listening to KNX In-Depth along with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. Actor Danny Trejo, known for being very macho, very tough guy. Uh, you probably have seen him in the Machete movies. Uh, I think you had a turn in one of those Breaking Bad shows uh, for a bit, didn't you? <laughs> I love Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> there <you> well, go. <laughs> so we know that Danny Trejo can kick but. Yeah, but he's also in the food business, many of you know, of course, creating Trejo's Tacos. 
And he has a sweet tooth of sorts, too, opening up Trejo's Coffee and Donuts in Hollywood. And he's now teaming up with Milk Jar Cookies for a good cause. Danny Trejo is with us now, along with Milk Jar Cookies founder Courtney Cowan. Courtney, hello. Hello. Danny, hello again. Hey, milk and cookies are like all American, so are donuts. <laughs> okay, so so, <laughs> so 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 tell us about this union. Can you guys see me? There you are. I, now I can see you guys. Yes. T- tell us about why this this sort of union between the two of you. Yeah, we uh, we were approached by Danny's team um, and just felt that it was such a, a natural fit. We, you know. Obviously, we've been big fans of Danny himself and then also Trejo's Tacos and the Donut Shop. You'll find them, uh, their donuts in our <laughs> our break area many, many times throughout the year. And, um, yeah, they approach us, and we love to be involved with the community as well. And we had been uh, working on our own co- uh, campaign for Make March Matter with right. Children's Hospital. And then when they wanted to work together to do even more good, it just felt like a, a really beautiful opportunity to to work with a brand that we love and respect and um and do some good now on the off chance that my wife who is a health food person is listening uh could i get you to do me a favor and say that uh first of all the donuts and the cookies Mm -hmm. are are ultra healthy and and uh diet our cookies actually burn calories for you yeah yeah help you lose weight (laughs) thank you absolutely vegan (laughs) (laughs) well we we have actually i I think we have some donuts here are they donuts or cookies what are they they're they're donuts Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's wow. Cookie, there's cookies in your break room over there. Oh, there are. Uh, okay. Yes, but we have. The, the, what, are, what are they? These. That one is a what? That's a. What is that? That's a. Why is that over there? And not by you. And not no. over here by me. Because they, they know who wants the donuts. Okay. Yes. So, we see how things are going. Yeah. Danny brought an assortment, and then yeah. including uh, the one that we collaborated on, which is their uh, abuelita donut, and we added ah. the. Uh, mil- mint c- chocolate cookie from Milk Jar on top of it. So wait, it's wait, wait, a, wait. Start that again. So it's what now? It's it's a it's called the Thin Mint Abuelita. Right. So it's their delicious Abuelita yeah. donut topped with wow. crumbles of our thin. Uh, excuse me, of our mint chocolate cookie and a mint glaze. Give me that one. so good. Which one is it? Abuelita's grandma. That was made... That's my grandma. I would like to take this opportunity to point out that the donuts are still over there and not over here by me. It's coming to you, It's coming to you. So wait, hold on. Hang on. I'm going to take a bite, too. This is really good. I mean, their donut and then our cookie can't ask for better flavor, better texture. It's just... And there's also there's, there's two uh, cookies missing over there in the, oh, in the room. They're so. missing. Oh, well. <laughs> I think we could probably figure out where they went. Danny, <laughs> why, why, why did you get into the food business to begin with? Me? Yeah. Uh, everything good that has happened to me has happened by accident. You know, and uh, we had found out that the... Uh, there used to be a place called Donut Time right on the on oh, the corner of right. of uh, Santa Monica and Highland, mm-hmm. and it was made famous by a movie called Tangerine. Wow, it was yeah, all filmed on a mm-hmm. on a phone, and uh, and so when the building came open, somebody you know just kind of like was told us that uh, hey, there's this building, and we talked about it. And said, Let's do it. Let's don't let it. It's a, it's a, I mean, sitting on the corner of Santa Monica and Highland, let's do it. And so. Yeah. It just opened up, and like uh, 
they built a huge complex right down the street. Then all the studios show up to buy donuts, and they, right. uh, you know, they good donuts. So it's like they're always fresh. They make them every day. First day we opened, we had to do two shifts because the line, you know, right. we'd run out. So now we're always doing two shifts and you, run you know, out. What's always amazing me, uh, amazed me about uh, Danny, Dan, I'm, t- I'm talking like he's not here. What always amazes me about <laughs> him person. is, is uh, you're so different than your image. And you know that. I mean, you've got this kind of bad, you know, badass image. And and you're not. You're you're like the sweetest guy. And your donuts are sweet. Well, too, don't say that. It's going to ruin his. I know, but yeah. it's true. <laughs> now he's not going to get rolled. That's what makes it's, a good business owner, right? No, but it, but it, but you're so different. Isn't he different? Oh, he's yeah. the, he's such a delight. He's yeah. an absolute delight. And you know, is he blushing? I, I think he is. I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> There's the headline. Do you want us to yeah. keep going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crying. Life is pretty good. And, yeah. Uh, I just. Uh, like I said, everything good that's happened to me has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. And I guess that's the way he intended us to live because my life keeps getting better and better. You know, and I'm, I don't yeah. stop helping. It's, uh, I wanted to ask you because you seem to enjoy life, which is a great thing. We can all learn how to enjoy life more. Uh, which do you enjoy more, the food or the acting? Uh well, I, I, I like the food because I get so close to people, and it's like they're coming into my living room, and I want them to feel like that. Like, you know, hey, this is our home. You know, make yourself comfortable. But, you know, acting acting has given me a platform that's so unbelievable. I can walk into any school, talk about stay away from drugs. You know, I can walk into any prison, talk about, hey, you know, get out and do it. And people listen simply because they've... You know, they've spent time with me on that, on that idiot box. <laughs> you, you know, oh, our, one of the be- I was just going to tell a great story when we were shooting content to launch this collaboration. We were outside of uh, the donut shop at Santa Monica and Highland, and this group of teenage boys was just walking by. And every as soon as they saw him, they're like, "Ah!" Oh! They got so excited. And he went over and he was telling, he's like, do good in school. And he was like, it was just such an inspiration. And so it's, you know, or else. you're being very humble. But I think you. <laughs> Thank you. you so, uh, so, Danny, our, our, our producer was very excited uh, earlier today because uh, he thinks, is there going to be another machete in space? You Not another. But I a- just, Robert Rodriguez right. just uh, posted this thing. We're, we're going to do another machete kills in space. You pronounce and, it uh, better than I do. So, <laughs> He said, uh, he said yeah. you know, so cool. It's like, you know, it's in the works, you know, and uh, a lot of people have been waiting for that. That was a great movie. It was just a great, uh, both of them were good. And it's so funny because it started kind of Robert Rodriguez talked about it when we did Desperado. Wow. And then we did Spy Kids. And just as a joke, we said, let's call him Uncle Machete, Machete Spy Gear. Yeah. And then when he did Grindhouse. Mm-hmm. They needed fake trailers, so they put a fake trailer of Machete in there. <laughs> so when we came out of the theater for the premiere of Grindhouse, everybody, everybody was just screaming about, we have to see Machete. So so is there a script already? Or? He's doing it. He's doing yeah, it. Okay. He's the guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a When can genius. our producer see the film? Huh? When, when, <laughs> when, we need a release date. <laughs> we want to. We want to know when it's yeah. when it's going to be on yeah, screen. I'll, I'll be seeing him pretty soon. I leave for Vegas tomorrow. Oh, what's in Vegas? Uh, a movie called Wreck It. Oh, really? and uh, okay. 
and uh, so I'm, I'm doing that there. I might meet him in Vegas, and then uh, uh, I've got fifteen twenty one coming out. It's a movie about when the Spaniards tried to uh, colonize the Philippines. You know, right. We'll baptize you or kill you. Which, which one you want? Yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's an interesting Same choice. Same thing with the Aztecs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and then I did an, another one called uh, um, The Binge or The the Purge. I don't know. One of those things. The Purge. I think, it's, I think it was Purge, yeah. Yeah. Purge. And, uh, so if a, uh, a producer, a writer, or a director came to you and said, you know, Danny, uh, we, we love you. If, if you ever want to do something really different, something that you haven't mm-hmm. done on screen before, what would that be? Uh, I don't know. I, you know. Me, personally, I would love to do like a Animal Planet or something like that where you go really? and see bugs and mm-hmm. animals and stuff, you know, at a safe distance. You want to go and you, see bugs? You, you, anything, you, know, like, uh, you can walk nature, around our, huh? yeah, you can walk around around here. You'll find some. You want to see bugs. Like backyard. Uh, so you know something like something like a like a you know like what uh, Steve Irwin used to do. Mm-hmm. Remember, like you know, Blimey, yeah. watch yeah. out. <laughs> but, but do you have a particular interest in that? Is, is that it? Do you have an interest in that? Is that it? Yeah, well, I, I love really. That. I, got, yeah. I, I love dogs. I mean, uh, pit bulls and parolees. Still one of my favorite. You know, yeah. I, and I. I worked with her, you know, for a while. Uh, when, when when they got snowed in, I had a crew right. run up to the farm that they had and 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 take snow out of all the dogs' cages and stuff, you know. So, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, yeah, so I love animals. I got five dogs, you know, and uh, it. Uh, what do you have? What kind of dogs? I got two pit bulls. Right. Uh, I got. Uh, Two pit bulls, two little schnauzer poodle kind of things, and one little teacup chihuahua. She was the runt of the teacup litter, and she is the meanest. <laughs> we call her a rock wawa. No, she goes after the She makes the pit bull cry. Really? <laughs> I swear to God. If she's in a bad mood, she comes outside, chases him in his doghouse, sits right in front of his door. Danny, maybe maybe That's you amazing. have to have a maybe you need to have a heart to heart with your kids. <laughs> I think you might. Yeah. You know. I'm the only one she don't bite. <laughs> well, that's good. She knows you're the alpha. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about the uh, Children's Hospital LA's uh, Make March yeah. Matter campaign, mm-hmm. and and for both of you, why why is this important to you? Kids, they're yeah. our future. Yep, they are. You know. Exactly and, what I was gonna say. Yeah. When when uh, it's funny the way God sends us messages. Like I had cancer, you know, and uh, and I was taking this therapy, it's killing me, this chemo stuff, and was, I, was, I couldn't tell anybody because I had like four contracts. And oh. I would tell them, yeah, give them, that's it, they're done. And so mm-hmm. I was, the director would say, cut, and I'd go over to them. And, so and, and sit- they didn't know why. No. Wow. So I'm sitting in front of the TV. And I, I go into my room and I just laid down. I said, hey, what's, what, what, what's up, God? Damn. He's like, look at me. And I feed your kids. I do I'm doing all the things that I do good. And what are you, what are you giving me this crap? You know? And, and then as I walk back out into the living room, I see this little kid on TV. And we'll give you this blanket. You guys are about six years old. If you just help us with this cancer. Yeah, I got you. You know, I'm just like, wait a minute, man. I've got full life. You know, what I mean, take me now if you want. But you're you're so, okay now. Yeah, I still, yeah, I, 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 I beat it. And I, you know, let, let me help 
them beat it, you know, and uh, yeah. so we just started doing everything we could for children's hospital, any hospital. Yeah. I think that's why the good Lord let us stay open during the pandemic, because we never stopped feeding the homeless or going to hospitals. And Same. I had three of my friends supporting some nurses, because remember when the pandemic first started, yeah. mm-hmm. nobody, it was, the nurses were scared to go home. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. They were living in their cars. Yeah. You know, we, so Courtney, we did, we Courtney, did the same with cookies. I'm curious. Was there anything in your personal life that made you want to get into this sort of relationship and, and dealing with the hospital and children? Yeah, um, my whole approach to business is that as you know, it's our duty to support the community that supports us, and so uh, we we donate cookies all the time. Most like of that. most of the things that we do, um, we you know are under the radar, um, but we our our main causes are. Um, involve children just because you know so we we donate to schools and educational you know uh organizations all the time as well as the the hospital and i just um you know if if kids are sick they can't they can't go to school they can't do all these things so it feels like a really great way to kind of you know support a, a hospital that's really trying to um to make kids' lives better and, and thereby the future better. And so um, having it be a really, you know, a month-long campaign is, uh, I think, really smart on their part um, and, you know, they get a lot of attention around it. And, um, yeah, we just, you know, we want to do as much good as we possibly can. I love what she just said. It's like, you know, it's our job to support the community that supports us. And um, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's what we do. It's like, yeah. you know, that's... The community keeps us open. Do you think more people in Hollywood should do that? A lot of people do in Hollywood, but a lot of them don't. Well, I wish I wish more people in Hollywood would like start going to schools and talking about you know what we what you got to do to stay off of drugs and and because Hollywood knows you know yeah they sure do. (laughs) (laughs) But you know it's like and now you know it's like so legalized marijuana and it's like. God, my, you know, the marijuana that they're smoking now is no longer a plant. Now it's chemicals, you know, it used to be a plant. And, and so it's like, you know, if you want to leave, go ahead. But it's like, a, a, we've got to keep the kids away from it, man, because they they can't handle it. You know, that's for sure. Well, uh, Danny, before we go, uh, you do have a tough guy persona that you do uh, in the movies. And you're such a sweet guy here. And obviously you care about people who are less fortunate. But we need you to be tough guy for a second. And uh, give us a message for the people who say, you know what? I don't want to support Children's Hospital L.A. I don't want to buy your donuts. What do you say to them? Yeah, yeah don't let me catch you on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Cohen with uh, Milk Jar Cookies and also actor Mr. Denny Trejo joining us today on In-Depth. That's going to do it for today's In-Depth. We'll be back tomorrow.